and for faith to increase and have earnestly fervently pray but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid would you walk with the lord in the line of his word and have peace and contentment always you must do his sweet will to be free from all tell all the love he will send from above and how happy our hearts will be made of the fellowship sweet we shall share at his feet That's a good one. I see you guys swapped that part around there a little bit. That kind of surprised me at first, and I thought that sounded great. Good blend there. Way to go. Boy, everybody's voices are feeling it, aren't they? <clears throat> you know, I heard uh, Brother Josh, he started singing, and I thought, oh, I hope he gets through that. And then Brother Josh started singing, the other Josh, and I thought, boy, I sure hope he gets through that. And uh, he's singing way up there, you know, and you can just, if, boy, that's easy to kind of crack, you know, when you're up that high. And uh, they did a great job, but it just seems today, uh, <clears throat> you know, just so many people, our voices are all struggling and everything, and boy, I don't know what it is. Just the way it is, I guess, nothing you can do about it, but uh, we just keep on keeping on. First John chapter 5, verse 7, we're, in our, we're still in our Bible Truth series. And we just finished up addressing and dealing with the Jews, and now we're going to start talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Just a little bit about the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look into that. So 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, and uh, we're going to go ahead and read that verse as a kind of the verse to kick things off, and then we'll just get moving along in our study. But I'm glad you could be here tonight. It's good to see folks starting to make their way back at, I was uh, talking to Brother Kavanaugh up here. I said, boy, I tell you, it looks like we're starting to finally find our ways back. If folks are starting to feel a little better, that's good news, and uh, that's exciting. But about the middle of, I figure in another two weeks, we should be through the Omicron, 
and hopefully we should be fine. It took about a month to get through Africa, and so in the United States, it should fly by pretty quickly. It's just a matter of everybody's getting it so fast. I mean, you think about our church. I mean, if I said, how many of you either had COVID or thought you had COVID in the last two and a half weeks or even the last month, I guarantee you there'd be all kind of hands in the auditorium go up. And uh, it's just amazing uh, just how fast that's flown through. Now they're saying that we could have a twindemic. Uh, now they're talking about the flu being part of the COVID because you can't test for the flu anymore. It's crazy. So anyway, so you either got the flu or the COVID. It doesn't matter. It's all under one thing now. So there you go. So good times, okay? Good times. And uh, I don't have a clue what's going on. I just know what we're doing in the house of God. We're serving the Lord. We're going to keep on preaching and teaching the truth. I'm glad you're here. When they were singing that song, I thought to myself, man, I'm glad I'm in the house of God tonight. Man, I was enjoying that. That was good stuff. That was good. Man, all the rest of that stuff, whatever, you know? I'm just going to keep on living for the Lord and trusting him because, man, I'll tell you what, we don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? We really don't. I'm talking about in our own lives. Man, I'll tell you what, it seems I was praying back there with my mom, and uh, as I was praying, I thought, uh, I said, uh, <clears throat> just seems like, uh, you know, you hear about horrible things happening to every, all kind of people anymore, not just COVID. I'm talking about horrible things. And I'm thinking, what in the world's going on, man? I mean, it's just, when I was younger, you didn't hear a lot about those things. And I guess maybe it's because we didn't have phones and we didn't, weren't connected to, the, you know, everywhere around the world, maybe. I don't know. But boy, I tell you what, it just seems like every time you turn around, you hear about tragedy, you hear about heartache, you hear about tough times. But boy, I tell you what, we still have the Lord, amen? We do, and we got to hold on to him tight because it's a five-ticket ride out there. And so just hold on for dear life and trust the Lord and... He'll, he'll take care of us. He'll get us through it all, <clears throat> and it'll be good to go. Now, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. <clears throat> 1 John 5, verse 7. The Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. He goes on to say, And these three are one. Now, we don't need to take the time to look back at John chapter 1, but you and I both know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And we, we understand that when it's talking about the Word, it's talking about Jesus Christ. And so in this particular passage in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, there are those three that bear record in heaven, he says, the Father, the Word, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And in our Bible Truth series, we're going to turn our attention to the work of the Holy Spirit. According to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son. He's co-equal. He's God, and His contribution is an inseparable part of the whole. You can't say, well, God, you know, he, He's more important than the Son, and the Son's more important than the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't work that way. Their contribution is inseparable. It's all one work, and uh, they're co-equal in their, their uh, you know, uh, their existence. And so we're going to begin to look at this and we're going to consider not so much the Trinity, because that I don't think the Bible says that's a mystery, really. We don't fully understand that, nor will we ever understand it this side of heaven, not the way that it truly is. We'll, we'll see one day. We might, we might understand it completely one day. I don't know. Uh, I mean, God being God, he's always going to know things we don't, or we would be like God. Uh, he's he doesn't have to. He's not obligated to reveal all the answers to every question in the universe. And sometimes I hear people say, <clears throat> we'll know all about it one day. You know, we got songs like that. 
we might not know all about it. Okay, what we do know is we know about him, and that's enough. That's all we need to know is about him, and he, we can trust him, and we can lean on him, we can depend on him. We don't have to know everything as long as we know that we're in his hands. He's got it under control, and it's going to be okay. And so whether I understand this Trinity 100% even in eternity or not, well, I know one thing. Uh, he knows me, and that's, that's what matters most. And uh, he knows them that, uh, that, that, that love him, and he knows him, them that have trusted and received him, and I'm glad that I'm in that number. Now, <clears throat> we're going to consider the work of the Holy Spirit over the course of human history, and we're not going to like take the next you know, eight months to do it. We're going to move rather quickly, all right? So uh, we're going to do our best to hit some highlights along the way. And I'm going to do that by asking, a, basically kind of a, uh, addressing some questions along the way. Uh, and, and so I'm going to start with this first question. What part did the Holy Spirit play in creation? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're just going to try to get us a good picture of who the Holy Spirit is and how he's worked in our dispensation, the last dispensation, back in creation and all of those things. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll look at that tonight. Father, bless us now. We love you. We thank you for all you mean to us and all you've done for us. Lord, what a, what a wonderful thing it is to see folks uh, uh, making their way to Community Baptist Temple. I'm glad, Father, that you are healing and helping people to feel better. Lord, I'm excited about just some of the uh, uh, reports I've gotten about folks that were struggling with the, whether it be the COVID or another illness of sorts or possibly even a physical ailment, Lord, that's taken place. I pray, Lord, you'd continue to work in their lives. Lord, we've been praying for them already tonight and, Lord, throughout the week, and I just pray that you would be glorified in their lives. Now, help us, Lord, tonight to focus our attention on you for these next few moments. May we learn about you and may we learn more about how you function and how you've operated through the years. Thank you again for the Spirit of God that lives in us. We love you, we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> so what part did the Holy Spirit play in creation? Well, turn to Genesis, of course, chapter 1. In order to know what he did in creation, we need to look at it for just a moment. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I don't know about you, but I never get bored uh, going back to Genesis 1-1. I love Genesis 1-1. And uh, again, you know, people say, well, all right, if you're so smart, tell me where God came from. Well, I, I never said I was that smart. Okay, so I, I never said that. So I, I don't know. It's just all I know is what the Bible says, in the beginning, God. I, that's all I know, in the beginning. Now you say, well, when's the beginning? Then if there's a beginning, there had to be a beginning. The Bible says he's from everlasting. So I, I don't know where that's going, but I do know this. Uh, I can trust him. He says that in the beginning, God, that, that just he was there. He was there. He's always been there. And I like that. I like going back there. You know, if that wasn't true, then honestly, then I guess there would be some uh, validity to this thing called Darwinism. I mean, if there was a God that had a beginning, then something would have had to happen to create him then. But there's nothing before God. And I like the Genesis chapter 1 because it puts things in perspective and says, oh, by the way, um, all those man-made theories and science, if you will, so-called, falsely so-called, he says even, it, it can't explain him. It can't explain him. And creation took place 
Thankfully for us, it did, because then he reminds us about the cross and how he recreates in us a new man. What a wonderful thing that is. First John, excuse me, on Genesis chapter 1, he says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. <clears throat> Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now the Spirit of God, <clears throat> in this particular case, is seen kind of hovering over or kind of brooding over this deep darkness. You know, darkness prevailed, but the Spirit of God would illuminate the darkness, and he would impart life. Now, we note that his role today is much the same. <clears throat> he does basically the same thing as he did then, then. because we see that he, he provides illumination for you and I as well. He's always providing light in the midst of darkness. And in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the Bible says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, <clears throat> because they are spiritually discerned. This truth should move us then. If indeed we believe that there are certain things that are impossible to understand without the illuminating presence and power of the Holy Spirit, except that he put the spotlight on it, then it ought to move us to pray before we read the Word of God. It ought to move us to do so so that we can fully grasp and understand its truths. You know, I think about the uh, challenge that we have to read through the Bible in a year. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much Bible you read a day, but I, I'm going to say this. I bet you there's a number of people that will attempt that challenge who will say, I'm not used to reading that much. The temptation will be to go right to the reading and neglect a time of saying, Lord, I need you to illuminate my spiritual sight. I've got to see what you're giving me. I want to glean from your word, not just simply read through it. And so I can't do that on my own because you're the one that brings light. You're the one that illuminates. And I need that illumination tonight. Not only does he provide illumination as he did there in the creation, but also he brought forth life. And so he still does today. In John chapter 6, verse 63, it says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, that makes alive, if you will. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Why? Because they're the spirit move. They're the spirit of God speaking. What we learn is that the Holy Spirit was active in creation. He played a role in all of it. And he played a major role too, by the way. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, breathed life into all animate creation. I mean, he was responsible for imparting life. Genesis 2, 7, if you notice, you remember the verse. I mean, it's very familiar, I'm sure. <clears throat> but he says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God, the triune God, formed man, the dust of the ground. I'm in 1 John chapter 2. Not doing too much good for me there. I better get back there, huh? Chapter 2, again, verse 7, he says, <clears throat> And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. <clears throat> man, I'll tell you what, there's the Holy Spirit working, breathing life into that lifeless lump of clay. 
we see a threefold work of God playing out here. One, the Father made the dust of the ground. The Son, He sculpted that dust. He formed that dust into the shape of a man. And then the Holy Spirit breathes into His nostrils the breath of life. Pretty simple. Well, nothing simple about it, right? Something, let's say, supernatural. Not simple, but supernatural. And so we're recognizing the Spirit of God working and moving in the midst. And so to summarize, we would say, well, what was the work of <clears throat> the Holy Spirit in creation? What part did he play? Well, the work of the Holy Spirit in creation was to impart life. Now, when we remember that truth, again, it should cause us to be more concerned than ever that the Spirit of God is going before us wherever and whenever we witness or share Christ. <clears throat> if indeed the Holy Spirit's what breathes life into people, if he breathes life into the lost, and he does indeed, then boy, we ought to be a little bit concerned and we ought to make sure that he's going before us whenever we witness or share Christ. We ought to be very careful and concerned that he goes before us whenever we seek to communicate a truth whether it be to a Sunday school class or whether it be to our children in the home, whether it's teaching, training, or family devotions, it doesn't matter. We need the Holy Spirit to impart life then. I mean, dead words are not going to accomplish anything. And if you want your children to grow up to love Jesus Christ and take on the cause of Christ, then you're going to have to Speak words of truth, but they better be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I mean, the Spirit of God's got to do something in their life because He's the one that brings that life. You say, what the Word of God said, it would not return void. That is correct and that's true, but let me tell you what, you want to make sure the Holy Spirit is imparting those truths into their hearts and burying them deep in their hearts, planting them deep. Spirit of God, He's the one that's going to bring the life out of all the darkness Boy, I'll tell you what, we need him to do that. Also, we need to remember that uh, it's important that he goes before us whenever we attempt to restore brother or sister in Christ back to the fold. You know, sometimes we hear about people that have made some bad decisions and maybe they used to attend church or possibly they're attending and they're making bad decisions. And we think, well, I'll straighten them out. I'll, get them, I'll tell them the truth. I'll point out where they're going wrong. We better make sure that the Spirit of God's going before us. He's the one that'll bring life back to them. It ain't going to be us. You know, we get this idea somehow that we've got all the answers. We don't have any answers outside of Christ. I mean, we got the Word of God, yes, and those truths themselves are, are empowered because they're Christ's truths. I get that. But we need the presence of the Holy Spirit going before us. Never approach somebody that's struggling in sin without first saying, Lord, I need your presence and your Holy Spirit to go before and bring life and light and illumination to that heart and soul. And we're wasting our time many times in that regard. Many, many times we find ourselves actually digging a deeper hole. And we give them fodder for uh, resentment and sometimes bitterness even. So <clears throat> we want to make sure that understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in creation, that he works very similar today even. He's illuminating and he's, he's breathing life into things, just like he did in creation. And we need to make sure in principle that we always include him and that he goes before us. 
Otherwise, we'll share all kind of truth, but death will prevail. We need the Spirit to bring the life. Uh, number two, so what part did the Holy Spirit play in the Old Testament then overall? When you think about that Old Testament, what part did he play overall? Well, <clears throat> the truth is that the Holy Spirit mainly empowered people for a special work. Uh, look, if you would, over to Exodus chapter 31. We're going to note a fellow by the name of Bezaliel. 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 Yeah, you know, I'll have to listen to Alexander Scurby say it. He'll set me straight. Bezalel, you could say it that way, I guess. You can say it however you like. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> you can name your child that if you like. <laughs> All right. So uh, here we have this situation right now. We've got this uh, Bezalel, and um, the time's come to construct the temple of God excuse me, the tabernacle in the wilderness, and, and, and to ultimately, you know, form all these, the furnishings and so forth. And we're going to see that God is going to endow this Bezalel for the work by filling him with the Spirit of God. Now, that's interesting, really, isn't it? Because, well, let, let's read it. Exodus 31, verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name... Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. Now this is a very skilled craftsman exceptionally skilled. And not only that, but he's extremely versatile. When you think about it, he's working in metals, he's working in uh, wood, he's working in all kinds of things. I mean, he's, he can just do it from top to bottom. And yet, right off the bat, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Basileel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. He was afforded a God-given ability for the express purpose of preparing the dwelling place of God, the tabernacle. God literally enabled him to do a work, really, that was supernatural in the long run because it was all God working in and through him. Oh, I know that he probably had some natural abilities, but by the way, I think if I'm not mistaken, God created him with those. But then God filled him so that he could, I guess, multiply the, I guess, the, the effectiveness of this man. He could take his hands and even though they were good with working with wood and silver and gold, he could make them better than ever because he filled him with the Spirit. He empowered him and enabled him to accomplish what he intended him to do. He came upon him for that purpose, that express purpose. So here's the thought, and I think it's important that you and I remember this. When the believer fails to recognize their value in the body and downplays their importance in the overall scheme of things, 
Their greatest failure is not recognizing God's role in equipping us for the work. That's the greatest failure. The greatest failure in the life of someone that says, well, I'm not important, I I don't matter, I don't have any abilities or skills. Well, you forgot who equips people. You forgot who empowers them and enables them to accomplish what they do. You somehow think it's you that does the work then. You think you determine whether or not you can be used of God. And God says, you are very arrogant and you are very prideful because it's never been you and it'll never be you. It's always me filling you with the Spirit of God. And sadly enough, we don't view things in a very practical sense when it comes to God and our work for Him. We lose sight of God in the midst of all the work. We think, well, I'm going to have to study super hard. You ought to study hard. You ought to give God every opportunity to use you to your maximum, your fullest. I get that. But when it's all said and done, there is nothing going to be accomplished through you except to be the Spirit of God, do it in and through you. Bezalel, he was a a man that I'm sure had some abilities and talents. But man, when it came to doing the work that God called him to do, it had been like, are you kidding me? That's overwhelming. That's way too big. That's way too much, God. And he says, hey, you don't have to do it. Let me work in and through you. I'll do it through you. And so the next time you say, oh, I, 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 I could never go soul winning because I'm not a people person, or I don't have the gift of gab. Get off of yourself a little bit. Realize it's not you anyway. What's that about? You? you? It's all about you. It's not about you. It's about him. What we find is that Bezalel was empowered for a specific purpose. Now, We're going to see that's a little bit different in the New Testament, but we'll look at that later on in the study. But he was afforded a God-given ability. I wonder what could God do with you if you truly yielded yourself? I'm not talking about just areas you think you're good at. I'm talking about what can he do with you in other areas if you just said, hey, I surrender all. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord, because it won't be me, it'll be you through me. Well, I tell you, we've got to get that kind of attitude. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, the Bible says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And let's just throw this one out too real quick. You know, it's interesting. We, we've lost sight of local church today, okay? And what we've done is we've all got our own little gifts and we all think that we're God's gift to humanity. So we think we know exactly how we ought to be used in the church. And we don't want anybody telling us how to be used. We think we have a right to go to God, get an answer from the Lord, and he tells me how he wants me to be used. And if the pastor doesn't agree, the staff doesn't agree, then obviously they're not right with God. And I better find somewhere where somebody's right with God that can help me to fulfill my full potential for the Lord. Can I tell you, that is so unscriptural. That, that, once again, there's that pride raising its ugly head, thinking somehow that we know more than God does. Do you know sometimes you need to do something you're not comfortable doing? Sometimes it's important that you and I have to step out and stretch our spiritual muscles a little bit. And sometimes the thing that you're most comfortable in is the thing that you will never trust God to help you with because you're so capable without him. You could do it standing on your head. 
and you think, that's where I feel I deserve to, that's where I need to be serving. That's where my gifts are. That's where my strength, that's where my passion is. Well, maybe God's got something else he wants you to learn. Humility. Maybe God has something else he wants you to learn. How to trust him and not yourself. To be totally dependent on him and realize that if you've been called, and let me tell you, he'll speak to your pastor sometimes and say, fingers on that one, use them in that capacity. Well, I don't think that's an area for me. I don't feel comfortable with that. You ought to be like, oh, pastor, are you kidding me? You think I could do that? I don't think I could do that. So do you think God could do it through you? Well, if he wanted to, I guess. I'm convinced God wants you to do that. Why don't you step up and do it? Oh, okay. Well, let me give it a shot. I think You're right. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. I think you're telling me you think God's in this. Oh, absolutely. You might be surprised how God will use you. You might be surprised how you'll surprise yourself, how God will surprise you even. It's amazing. Again, that goes against the grain of everything we're being taught in our culture. I mean, we got college football players now who literally think that they can, you know, go to a school and get all kind of money now because they're allowed to get paid, by the way. Yeah, they've got this thing. You're allowed to get paid now as a college athlete. You know, your likeness and your image and all this stuff. And they can go there and they can dictate the terms to the coach. If you don't make, let me play and I can't continue with making all this money and my likeness and my image, I'll go somewhere else where I can, I can play. Well, you're not good enough to play on this team. I don't care how much you're making money from the local place down here or the booster down here. Oh, it, well, I'm out because I'm going to go somewhere where I can play and make more money. Well, whatever happened to the fact that you signed a letter promising that you would come there and be a part of that team? What happened to your integrity, your character? You know, we come to a church and we join it. It's ours now. Why do we leave it? Because we don't get our own way. Because we're not considered in our mind first team. Why don't we just say, Lord, if you want me to be first team, you get, you get on the ball, Lord. I'll guarantee you what, you want to be first team around here? Knock on some doors. Be first team around here. Get on your knees and start praying. First teamers, they get close to God. You get close to God, you get close to others when you get close to God. You'll find it'll work. It'll be okay. You hang in there. Don't quit. Don't let the devil deceive you. Don't let him do that to you. The Holy Spirit will empower you to accomplish things you never dreamed you could. Paul the Apostle recognized this truth when he said in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. Even the Apostle Paul, who was the planner, church planner of so many churches in the New Testament. I mean, we stand here today as a result of his ministry, basically. God used him so mightily. And he says, it wasn't our sufficiency. We didn't have anything to offer God. We were just a bunch of lost losers without him. We were sinners unable to even please the, the God of heaven in any way, shape, or form. But man, he has chosen us to do this work, and we're just leaning and trusting on him completely. Hey, you're that person today that's going, I couldn't do nothing for God. Guess what? You're the one he wants to use. He's, he'll do something if you'll let him.
You say, but I don't have nothing to offer God. Oh, you have so much to offer God because you already come in with that humble spirit, it sounds like a little bit. Come on now. Just say, okay, Lord, ain't much here. Ain't nothing here, really, but I'm going to let you have it. Do what you want. It's amazing what he'll do with you. God will use you. God will use you, boy. He'll use you big time. But you got to be open and willing. So what part the Holy Spirit played in the Old Testament? He came upon people. Now, he came upon not only Basilil, but he came upon the prophets. Look in 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. In the Old Testament, even when they were writing Scripture, when they were, uh, you, know, uh, you know, all Scriptures given by inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit came upon these prophets for the express purpose of recording the Word of God. Notice it says in 2 Peter 1, 20, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. What that means is simply this. You, me, any one of us has no right to say that's what the word of God means. It's no private interpretation. Well, you say it means this. Well, I say it means that. It's no private interpretation. You know what he's really saying? He's saying this, that the Bible is its own best commentary. If you want to understand what the Bible says and what it means, then look at the Bible for what it says and what it means. It doesn't matter what you think it means. All it matters is what God says it means. You say, but that's tricky. That's crazy. How am I supposed to know what the Bible says and what it means? And and does that mean I can never trust what you say? Well, hopefully over the years you've said, well, we can pretty much trust our pastor. But let me say this. I would encourage you to double check it. Why not? Make it your own. It doesn't matter whether I believe it. What matters is if you believe it. Because, see, you aren't going to live off of my faith. And, and the truth is, you've got to live off your own faith. So figure it out. Find it for yourself. The pastor says something, you think, man, that's kind of an interesting topic. That's an interesting subject. I don't know if I agree with that. Well, that's okay. You don't have to agree with that yet. Get into the Bible, find out what it says, and make sure. Is there anything he said that's not scriptural, that's unscriptural? No, no. Well, then why would you say you don't agree with it yet? You don't know what you agree with and don't then until you study the scriptures. Don't immediately say, I don't know if I agree with the pastor. What do you think about what he said today? Who cares what you think? If you don't even know what the scripture says, go find out what it says in the scriptures before you have a problem with what was said. Then come back to the pastor and say, Pastor, I've been doing some searching, and I'm not getting where you're coming from on that. You said this, but I'm looking at these passages. How does that all fit? Because to me, it seems like it contradicts. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just good back and forth. That's learning. That's called learning. But we take positions before we even know what the truth says. Let's not take a position until we've done the study till we've looked into it till we've said wait a second what do i believe based on the word of god now in this case the prophets they're over here writing scripture i'm not convinced that they always understood what they were writing but they were under the inspiration and the motivation of the holy spirit the bible says here that this scripture is not of any private interpretation why because the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man 
wasn't a man that determined what the scripture said or what it meant. It was simply, he says here, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Literally, God moved them. God directed them. God, I believe, literally, right there it is. Keep writing. And I'm, I'm sure they look at that sometimes and go, man, I've got to figure that out. Wow, I don't know. What's there? Where's that going? Because there's some of those truths in that Old Testament that were not fulfilled till the New Testament. And there had to be things that they wrote that they were like, wow, that's just, I'm not getting it. I mean, you look at it, we can look back on it. They say hindsight's 2020. We still can't figure it all out. They had to look forward to it. I'm sure they didn't understand all of it, but thankfully, they yielded themselves and allowed the Holy Spirit to do something in their life. Now, again, this, it's interesting when we think about the, a thought, you know, we think about this thought. Not only what we do then, like Bezalel, but again, what we say can be directed by the Holy Spirit then. I mean, someone, again, we say, well, I don't have that gift of gab. Remember I said that? Well, I'm saying it again. Just lend your voice to the Holy Spirit then. He'll direct you. Man, I can't tell you how many of you through the years have said, Man, I'm really concerned. I, I want to witness to my family, and I just am afraid to, and I, I don't know what to say. And you say, well, preacher, what, what should I do? Well, first of all, you, many of you have done this. You've gotten a handle on the, the gospel. And then you say, but I'm just afraid I'll say something wrong. I'll do something. That's okay. You pray about it, and you just let them know how much you love them and how much you want them to be in heaven with you, and then try to share the gospel. Boy, I can't tell you how many people in, 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 in the auditorium have talked to a family member or a friend and got a chance to take them through the gospel and even lead some to the Lord. Because you just said, okay, you know what? I don't have the, the words. I don't know what to say, but I'm just going to trust the Lord with it. I'm going to let him direct my Amen. tongue. Let him direct my voice. Boy, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit will do that, just like he did the prophets, so to speak, in that sense. Now, they were writing, of course, but he'll, he'll really come through. So he came upon individual men and women and he filled them for some special service or specific work. And you know, interestingly enough, it had nothing to do with their character in some cases. You say, what do you mean? What I'm saying is, think about Balaam. Balaam wasn't the best guy in town. Balaam was a prophet. And the Bible says in, in, in chapter 24 of Numbers, verses 1 and 2, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came upon him. But man, I'll tell you what, before it's over with, he was doing all he could to curse God's people. But yet the Spirit of God came upon him with a specific purpose. We think about Samson. Samson wasn't always on God's side, so to speak. We see him doing a lot of bad things. And yet the Bible says very clearly, because of time we won't go there, but in chapter 13 of Judges, the Bible makes it very clear that the Spirit of God was upon him. Why did he do that? How did he get the strength to tear those gates off of that city? Spirit of God. I mean, here he is. He's, he's lying with a harlot, and, and we, see him get, we see him going out and whooping all kind of men because, oh, they're here. They're going to kill you. And he's like, ah. Spirit of God came upon him. That don't even make sense, does it? Not to us, not in the dispensation we live in, but in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon people and it wasn't always dependent upon their character. God had a purpose for the Spirit of God moving in their life. He would use people based on what he needed and for a purpose. 
We think of Daniel. Excuse me, I mean King Saul, I mean. King Saul wasn't the best king. Matter of fact, he was one of the worst. He was a real ripoff. And yet we see him filled with the Spirit of God early on in his ministry. And it wouldn't be that long after that he entered into the priesthood when he shouldn't have. He lost the kingdom. Although he remained king, he had already lost the kingdom. The Holy Spirit would come upon people. They might have been operating in the flesh, but then the Spirit of God would come upon them for a specific purpose. And then there's those few exceptions in the Bible. The Holy Spirit, people like Joseph and Joshua and Daniel, man, the Holy Spirit come upon them and he stayed with them for, we don't even know how long. Didn't really say that he left them. But again, the Holy Spirit didn't abide on men for any length of time during this dispensation for the most part. He came and he went based on what he was trying to accomplish and what he was trying to do. I think about David's life and we'll close with this. Turn if you would to Psalm chapter 51. Look at David's life. Again, the Holy Spirit in that Old Testament, he come upon someone, empower them for a work, a specific work, they'd accomplish it, and then he'd leave them. That's foreign to us, right? Because we know he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We know that once the Spirit of God indwells us, he's there forever. He matter of fact, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, and Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, we know that the Spirit of God comes upon us and seals us. So this is totally foreign to us. But in the Old Testament, that's how it worked. Look what it says here in Psalm 51. Look at verses 1, starting in verse 1. Psalm chapter 51. What a powerful passage this is, because what we're going to find here is that David now has committed a very egregious sin against God and mankind, and we're going to see that the Lord now, uh, that he's going to approach the Lord, and again, he's been confronted by Nathan the prophet, thou art the man, and now here he is, he's going to come to God and confess some things. Have mercy upon me, says in verse 1, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. We notice confession here. What, what an example of confession. Then, then, then notice here, we notice cry for cleansing in verse 7. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. But now notice concern in verse 9 through 11. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Watch this now. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Isn't that interesting? David. We think about David, we think, man, he's one of God's favorites. You know, he was, I mean, a man after God's own heart. But, the, but David cries out in the midst of this confession and seeking God's uh, grace again. And he says, listen, God, please, 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 cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And that's something. So we find that the Holy Spirit came upon people in the Old Testament and he left them. And in this case, Obviously, the Lord was still with him in the midst of all this mess. Very few people had the relationship with God that David did. And he's saying, Lord, don't take him from me now. Wow. 
I'm glad we don't have to worry about that, huh? But in the Old Testament, it was different. And the Holy Spirit operated differently, and his purpose and his, 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 his place was different. And so he came upon people to accomplish specific works. And then he would depart for the most part. So we find, we'll find this aspect of his work, of course, take not thy Holy Spirit. We'll realize that he, that's not how he works in our dispensation, but we'll see that later on in our study. <clears throat> but I wonder today, what part does the Holy Spirit play in your life today? You know, in the Old Testament and in creation, he illuminated and he brought life. What kind of life do you have in Christ today? You say, man, it's, cause it's, so, it's drudgery right now. Maybe you need the Holy Spirit to come alongside. It sounds like you need him to bring some life to things. And again, you know, listen, we've all been there. We've all been in places where our relationship with the Lord isn't what it ought to be. We're not in tune with the Holy Spirit like we should. We're doing all the things. I mean, we're, we're busy. We're active. <clears throat> we're fulfilling all our responsibilities even. But there's no real joy. David even says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Why? Because he had lost it in the sin that he had committed. Boy, the Holy Spirit comes along and he even brings joy in our life and he brings illumination and he brings just everything that we need to accomplish the work of God and to do it with this right spirit and right attitude. Life is what we want and life is what he brings. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you're not neglecting the spirit of God. You can read the Bible and neglect the Spirit of God. You, you, you can pray even and neglect the Spirit of God. You say, that's crazy. Hmm. I don't think it's crazy. You have to yield to the Spirit. <clears throat> you have to allow the Spirit to work in your life. Boy, let Him work in your life. Just tell Him, Lord, man, I, I want your Spirit. Be, be real to me. You know, speak to me, show me, illuminate things, help me to see things in the Word, and help me to just experience the best life I can have in the Christian life, to know the joy of the Lord, and to be filled with your presence. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together, and Lord, we are a needy people, and once again, Lord, we desperately need you to come alongside us. Lord, we are thankful for the <clears throat> fact that we, are, that we are born again. We're thankful that we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, help us to take full advantage of that, to not neglect him in any way, but to, Lord, to take full advantage of his presence in our life. Lord, may you just illuminate us, help us to see things that will just to, just to reveal truth to us in a way that we just shake our head and say it had to be God. It's just so good. And Lord, just help us, Father, to experience the life that comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life as we yield to him and surrender our, our, our life, our all, our being, Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. And